Welcome to the new Level Up Entertainment podcast. On this show, we choose a topic that's interesting to us and then assemble a panel of experts or people with unique perspectives to discuss the topic of the week. This week's topic is tabletop RPGs. We're going to talk about our favorite game to play, uh, some of our some of our favorite stories, and we'll share some tips for players and DMs. I'm your host, Scott, and joining me this week... Hey, I'm Shannon Perkins. I am Tim Perkins. Eric Stevenson here. And I'm Jimmy Yamaguchi. Okay, and to give a little bit of background, I think... I don't think we've all played tabletop games together, but we've all had some sort of mix of playing different games together with us. Uh, if you watched our free comic book day online stream, uh, Eric and I played Dadlands. Um, I'm playing a I'm playing a Fandelver with Tim and Shannon right now. Playing Ghost of Saltmark with Marsh with uh, Eric also at the moment during quarantine. And Jim and I have not been playing anything yet, but not we yet. probably would. Hopefully. But we've known each other for oh, quite some time. Yeah. Um, we just haven't been able to schedule uh, campaigns together because, you know, as an adult, it's a little bit tricky to do. Um, but I guess I'll start off with my background. In uh, high school, uh, third edition of Dungeons & Dragons came out, and then that's what my friends and I would play. Like, we'd each, because books are like 50 bucks a pop, and we were in high school, someone bought a DM, uh, DM's Dungeon Master Guide, someone bought a Player's Handbook, someone bought a Monster Manual, and then we all just kind of shared. Um, but we would get together every like Friday night, uh, and then usually we would spend the night at whoever's house uh, and keep playing uh, the next day. But I've, I've so I kind of fell off. I didn't play any fourth edition. Um, I started doing fifth um, with the the new campaigns we've been playing, and I kind of really like fifth. It reminds me of third a lot. There's just a, you get a couple extra like abilities uh, and things. But yeah, if you guys want to talk about some of your favorite uh, tabletop games to play or run. I'll, I'll throw the floor over to y'all. Uh, I'll go. I'll go. Okay. All right. Uh, D&D, obviously, is kind of what I started with, but I started with second edition, and the rules for second edition were so, so complicated. Faco, anyone? Oh, yeah. God. All right. All right. To I be know. fair, I did <laughs> learn on AD&D. I played one game of that, and then we played third edition. So to me, it doesn't count, <laughs> but... I did. I have played second edition games as well. Um, it 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 was really hard. My first pl- character that I ever made was in the Dark Sun setting. It was a oh mull. <laughs> those of you that don't know what a mull is, it's a dwarf human hybrid, a mull Earth cleric who died. I think I think by the third session, and I was dead because <laughs> Dark Sun is ruthless. It ruthless. is. If you don't have water, you're dead. Yeah, that that's how I started. Um, and then I actually got to play from second edition all the way through each one. Uh, third, I played a little bit, not too much. Uh, but then fourth, I played a lot with uh, Shannon and Tim and that crew. And then we moved on to fifth later. Um, I'll throw in, I started end of first edition, beginning of second edition for D&D, and played that a little bit with Jim and I went to high school together and everything. So we would play in middle school and high school. And then high school, I got into World of Darkness and did like four years playing different vampire campaigns and mummy and changeling. Um, And then I stopped because I had a child. So that went on hiatus for a little while. And then everyone from high school kind of got back together and 
all of them come to my house. So we got back into fourth edition and then also playing Star Wars and some other like fun one pagers and different things at the house. Nice. So been playing forever. Probably like 29, 30 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tim, you want to go next and I'll take up the caboose? Uh, sure. I am likely the resident noob. Uh, I started with fourth edition. Wow. Um, people asked me why I continued. Uh, <laughs> the answer, the answer is, uh, Jim was actually my DM. Uh, and we, we played that campaign for seven years. Yeah, it was, it was a long campaign. It was yeah. a long campaign. And this um, is when Tim and I were working together at the store. Yes. And because he needed off to play it, I had to work. So we were never able to actually play <laughs> D&D together until Ouch. like the quarantine. <laughs> yes, that is very true. Uh, um, but it, that was my first iteration. Then we moved to 5, 5e, um, which we still play to this day. Um, that's probably my go-to for tabletop. Um, we have played Star Wars together. Um, we've done a few one shots, crash pandas, and a few other things. Um, some brief runs, but all of, primarily we play in 5e just because of the groups we have. I, I guess I'm the uh, the old head here. Um, I, I probably I, it's I can't even really tell you when I started playing. It's been that long. It's probably been about 35 years. Probably a little longer than 35 years. But, you know, I was like nine. So when, do, when did I get my first book? I don't know. Um, I, I do know I started playing it very distinctly with my uh, friend's father running uh, Keep on the Borderlands in the original, um, you know, first edition, um, you know, the old, um, the old box, the original box. The, the blue box is what it's called, right? Um, I never owned any of that material, but but I did find actually that module that I I guess he he gave me that module when we were done playing it. I, I found like the old thing, all marked up in pen. I wrote on the map in pen for some reason, uh, which is you know something a, a seven year old or eight year old might do playing D and D, and uh, yeah, I played. Um, basically everything that TSR or at least bought everything that TSR put out in the 80s gamma world star frontiers See, that marvel, was a lot of stuff if you bought all of it marvel yeah, superheroes yeah, yeah. i have um, that one i say i have marvel superheroes as well i have a ton of rpg books that i've never played yes uh, yes yeah. speaking of heroes uh, we did play some savage lands as well very briefly. We, briefly. We tried it out for a little while. Yeah. Interesting. I, I've not, I'm not familiar with the Savage Lands. Uh, the last superhero system I played was Aberrant, uh, which is White Wolf. I see uh, Shannon's familiar with that. It's, uh, it's basically the, 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 the D10 system. Um, it's the same mechanics as Vampire uh, put into a uh, like open world kind of a superhero camp and not really superheroes it's more like a you know there, there's an event kind of reminiscent of the wild cards if anyone's familiar with the george R. R. martin wild cards one of the dark edgy kind of uh but you know more realistic hero campaign that was a uh, actually my friend sean read a really good campaign with that uh it was very uh very bizarre 
started out with a really great idea, um, and it just kind of went off the rails. <laughs> but it That's was how it like, goes. yeah, it, to do, yeah. <laughs> it, it, instead of making like you know rolling for your abilities and doing all that at the beginning of the campaign, we just kind of made ordinary people. And then we acquired, there, things happened to us, and we were thrust into strange situations. It was kind of like a Twilight Zone episode type thing. Or like, you know, lost before that went off the rails. Uh, but definitely of all those, uh, yeah, I would have to say D&D remains the stalwart. Um, and I play that off and on in various dribs and drabs through, you know, since, you know, 1983 or so. Um, I stopped for a little bit at the end of high school, played uh, third edition a little bit in college, uh, skipped fourth edition entirely, uh, went back and did a little three and three five, played Pathfinder. Um, uh, I have a friend who has this massive board game collection, and we've played everything from Scythe and um, some of the stuff set in like Forgotten Realms. Uh, it's like what's like Descent is one of them. There's uh, Lords of Waterdeep. I think that's the game. That one's fun. Um, yes. Yeah. We would we, like my regular in-person gaming group. We would bounce back and forth between doing campaigns, and sometimes we'd be like, "Ah, oh, let's not do campaigns. Let's do a board game of the week." And we would play Star Trek, DC Heroes, uh, Cthulhu 5000, Bears versus Babies. Um, you know, the, the list just goes on. But really, you know, definitely D&D is the one thing, like the one constant throughout. And, um, yeah, it's definitely the, you know, a, a name everyone knows, uh, a system that I think is easy. The fifth edition is really easy to pick up. I think they did a really good job with the, the fifth edition. I know there's always, like, pushback and people who yeah. still pine for things like Thaco and like I want to put my proficiency points skill points in swimming versus climbing I'm like oh I mean, my god I, like, I hate Thaco so much it's so needlessly <laughs> confusing I, I, I to, to go on your, your point there I, I think the system they have in D&D is extremely flexible yeah um, and it, it can kind of there's no matter what situation you arise yourself uh, that arises in it there's a tool there um, that can cover it. Um, yeah. The and big not, thing is, yeah. The big thing is they're they're actually pretty straightforward as well. Yeah. Like if you want to swim, you roll an athletics check because you're swimming. Yeah. Like it's it's easy enough for a group of people to pick up and play, no matter how long or how new they are to the series. Yeah. yeah. And I will say if you're new and you just look at the books, like it looks super overwhelming. It does. You're not going to use most of that. Um, yeah. Like 90% of that book. Yeah, that's for, very true. For, for your character, like only a very specific chapter. And then depending on how you want to play them, like you don't even need to pay attention to half of it. Um, the other good thing is there's a lot of really specific rules for characters, but uh, Wizards has been great about uh, Chris Perkins and a few other people being like, hey, here is the answer to this question. Like, they post regularly whenever somebody tweets them a question or they get a regular question. Oh, wow. So, yeah, Wizards of the Coast is pretty good. Yeah. Like, um, like they used to do this with the, the Wizard Magazine, but they kind of do, like, software patches for their games. It's like, well, here's kind of how this rule yes. works now, like, every once in a yes. while. Yeah. Um, which is yeah. kind of what they did with 3rd Edition. They kind of needed to restructure a lot of it, and that's where 3.5 comes from. But I never yes. played that. We just because we could only afford so many books, so we already had the third edition one. So it didn't make sense to buy another new set of books. Three point five. 
3.5 was good. And that's why Pathfinder was created because yeah. they found a system that was strong and solid. And they said, you know what? Because of the open gaming license, we can do this and do it our way. Still, you know, pay, you know, credit to Dungeons and Dragons. But then Pathfinder came out, came out and Pathfinder exploded. Yeah. They had so many books that they put out and made so much, I'm assuming, money from it that yeah, they were yeah. like became an entity of itself almost where there was a you're either a D&D camp sort of person or you were a pathfinder yeah. camp sort of person i mean there are people that play both obviously but it was it was weird i saw a lot of um people butting heads over whether D&D or pathfinder should be the one to play especially for a new person yeah yeah that, that's well that's kind of an old thing you know the addition wars has mm -hmm. been raging you know for decades now so the uh and I, I could definitely see and i haven't really gotten into that community too much but i could see how there'd be that rift between the pathfinder crowd and the the, the dnd crowd um i i think i've only really played one serious long-term pathfinder campaign uh it we were all goblins we were goblin refugees uh we were uh, our a village was overrun by humans and so we had to reestablish a new civilization yeah a great concept but um neat yeah, concept, it, huh? yeah really really neat concept but uh really didn't kind of have a uh, as uh, scott mentioned before about avatar stick the landing very well <laughs> <laughs> but it was uh, it was cool i like the pathfinder system it, to me it felt a lot like third third uh and 3.5 though yeah it's hard yeah. though if you invest a lot of money i mean yeah in any of these systems, it's like, all right, now I'm five books in. This is my pony. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's that too. It's it's the same. Like I've always said, like uh, nerds aren't happy unless they have something to complain about. But it makes sense, like in terms of like that's where like the console wars come from, where yes. this thing costs you like six hundred dollars. It's like, well, I'm gonna have to support it. This is like you said, this is the horse I've backed now. Yeah, um, my team. Yep. Whereas like Marvel versus DC, it's a little bit easier to kind of just do both because you know right. like four bucks a pop um, versus like fifty dollars yeah. for a book. Like that. But yeah, yeah, so that's one of the the trouble. Like the big thing though, in t more to me, more important than even like what game you start off in. If you want it, if you're a new player and you want to start, is to find the right group. And I can't. Yeah. Yeah, like you need to find people that like have a well. A especially if we're because we're all old now. So people that have the same time schedule like for you and can do the same kind of time commitment and be like have kind of similar personalities and play styles like to what you want to do because some people get really into like lore and like want to like get really into the role playing part some people really are more into the combat some people take things a little bit more like loosey-goosey with the rules so if you get hung up on certain things you got to try to find the right group and it's it's one of those things you're going to have to just like learn by doing. But fortunately we live in the, the internet age now where like I said, we've been doing it over Skype and uh, Google Hangouts and stuff because of the quarantine, but it's really easy to get a group together now. Um, Cause we can just, we don't have to travel anywhere and like spend a whole night somewhere. We take a couple of hours at home, roll some dice and you know, have some fun. Yeah. Um, but like there's lots of tools online, different message boards and things for to, to help find groups and things. Uh, but yeah, that's the that's the number one thing I think you need to to, to you need to get right. That's it's definitely part of it. Um, I I think from at least our experience with our group, because we've been playing together for so long, 
we all kind of know the expectation of the people playing. We have some people who just want to go out and murder things. And we have some people that really enjoy the role play aspect. And we have some people that want to do a good combination of both. So it's kind of important to make sure that everyone in the party is having a good time. Uh, and also everyone in the party is getting their chance to shine, whether it be through combat, through that witty quip or through that expertise of unlocking or whatever it, that action may be. Yeah. It's a, it's a balancing so, act. I, yeah. my, my number one DM rule when I'm playing DM is uh, make sure if I'm, doing my job correctly if my players are having fun, whatever yeah. that necessarily means for that group. Um, which is why, like, uh, when Eric and I played Dadlands, I thought that was a fun one to, to run because all I really did was set up scenarios and let you guys – and that one's a really silly world. Um, but, like, let you guys kind of s- figure out what you want to do there and then just try to support your actions and how your uh, die rolls and whatnot worked out for it, um, which is – I, I will say, if you are looking to, 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 to eventually DM, definitely play as a player for a while. Um, yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Experience it first. Yeah. yeah, it's it's good to know it from that end, A, and B, it's good to kind of get more of a, a grasp on general rules and kind of like what you would expect as a player you can kind of provide for people. Um, it's, it's, it's really hard to just jump in. As a, I'm sure there's somebody that's like a DM prodigy and like is first thing like knocked it out of the park right out of the bat. But I definitely think it helps uh, when you know the player uh, side of it. Um, yeah, but- I don't think anybody's ever that I've ever really known has tried just jumping in and DMing. I think every player eventually says, "Well, you know, let me try DMing." Um, and uh, usually, uh, in a lot of circumstances, like I- I'll be the one teaching the the players. Um, introducing a lot of the elements to them. So uh, I see a, a DM role is, is often very much like the role of a teacher. Um, and that, that kind of idea is, you know, making sure everyone's engaged, making sure everyone's, you know, in, in, into what you're doing. Um, you're, it, yeah, it's, you're, it's challenging though. Yeah. You're, yeah. The idea would be, I don't, that, at least in my head, the idea would be you're kind of the guide right. leading them through their story. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's a basic kind of like the simple, like, you know, you describe the world, the players make decisions based on your description, you describe the results. You know, that that's the, it, introducing the game to anybody new, I tell them it's just all the game is, is those three things. All those 330 other pages, uh, you know, we'll get to those when we need to get to those. <laughs> but if you can just understand that you have one person who's going to describe the world, the players are going to interact with the world, and then I'll tell you the results. You get that concept, you're good to go. I'll tell you what what died to roll and when, you know. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I've had uh, people, like, have no idea. They, they knew what Dungeons and Dragons was. Course, but then they're yeah. like, how do you play? What exactly is it? The way I explain it is like, do you know when you were a kid and you used to be outside and you'd pick up a stick and pretend it was a sword? Yes. You're playing pretend again but with rules this time. So there is no argument on who hit who. This time, there's math that tells you whether you did. I got that exact speech before I started. 
Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. That's that 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 is definitely a great way to describe it as well. And but it's funny too because even thinking about those games we used to play as a kid, you know, we would always come up with rules on the spot too. And sometimes there were sometimes there were like a a whole list of rules. You know, I'll be honest in playing some games and especially I mostly DM'd in high school when you know you're a stupid kid. But like we definitely Calvin balls a lot of stuff as things cropped up every once in a while. House ruling is kind of required, even, no matter what rendition. Yeah. yeah, it's house rule. If you're the DM, you are the house. When you're a kid, yeah. it's y'all are sleeping over my house. It's my rules. <laughs> exactly. Um, but you we just didn't have the term DM for your title. But I will say that in my experience, is almost always the one person in the group who's kind of the rules lawyer. He'll pop up and be like, he knows exactly what page to go to and put things out, which can be useful. But sometimes, depending on the person, can also be really annoying. I will say if you are more that personality, yeah. just be aware that you're like that um, and just kind of temper <laughs> expectations. And, or, yeah, it's like in life, uh, just communication is key, just no matter what you're doing. Because uh, you're all there to have fun. And if someone's making the group not fun, like that's someone's, that's everyone's night off, like kind of ruined. The, yeah. The DM at some point can kind of be like, yeah, and after the game, side. be like, hey, just to let you know, that wastes a lot of time. I'm going to make a call next time and then we're going to move on and address it later. And we've done that countless times. Like it's this way right now. We'll figure it out when we're done. Yeah. yeah. We've, we've yeah. done that a lot. Uh, there've been instances where we, we both weren't sure. And I was yes. like, you know what? I'm the DM. You're the player. You want this to happen. And I'm like, I'm not sure if it should happen. So the two of us roll a dice <laughs> and yeah. whoever gets higher, that's the rule we go with. It's a rock, scissors, paper. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, Sorry, it's okay. Um, our group, I feel like we should mention, is giant. Um, wow. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, a lot yeah. Like because we uh, like they're they're us. really tall or they're just a lot of you. Oh, we're massive. There's ten to twelve of us Whoa. that play weekly. Whoa. Yeah. So and it just happened. It's a mess. That <laughs> some of us. No one ever stopped coming because I feed people. And then Delicious. we had new people come and they wanted to learn and then they don't leave either. So like our group is really big and we've got four DMs in it. So, so a lot of times we just kind of are like one person's DMing, but it's uh-huh. like if something comes up and it's like, oh, I don't know. What did we think as a group? And usually one person will be like, actually, I do know that rule. And then it's like, you right. just keep it flowing. So yeah. as long as the rule person who knows you're going to call on them, yeah, getting flow, 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 flow of a play session is usually really important because you don't want again you don't want to waste too much time on things that but like some things you may not think is important you might be more of the action kind of player but you might be in a group of people that are really into the RPG part um, so you might you might think of being bogged down like by doing character things and talking to people and and, and doing stuff and maybe that just isn't the campaign for you. It um, would. It would yeah. definitely pull you out of a situation. Um, I have a situation that immediately comes to mind with a group of nobles in Jim's campaign, and I got the idea to do something silly. And we immediately went into, what about this rule? I feel like this isn't how this goes, because I cast a spell magic. And he was like, nah, doesn't work. So I I went up here and I was like, no, 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 no. This has to work. This is how it is. And he just went, no, nah, doesn't work. Moving on. 
Uh, <laughs> and I realized after the fact that that is the best way to do it because we were, the whole situation was tense. Everyone was caught up in the story. It was a pivotal point in this story. Everyone was engaged. And me arguing about the rule at that given time would have stopped everything. So sometimes yeah. it's easier to just be like, let's keep this going no matter what happens, no matter what rule we decide on. Yeah. Because you don't want to stop that. And and you and that's something that, that Tim, uh, to the highlight what you did there. I mean, you, instead of getting your back up, instead of getting angry at uh, Jim, you, you know, players have to remember that you know, sometimes the DM is going to, call something you're not going to be happy about it but you're just going to have to go with it and sacrifice your little part for the greater good of the story and i think players should have to keep that in mind yeah and it's it was i messaged him after when we were done and i was like that wouldn't work that way (laughs) 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 but during the during the actual thing i was like i'm gonna let it go (laughs) yeah yeah sometimes you can as as a dm or as a player like don't really try to fight each other like about this kind of stuff. It's one thing if you're in character and like you start to do like a Captain America Civil War situation where you don't agree <laughs> on the way to go. Like that's a different kind of fight. But like don't really just stop and and and, and just and get just just attack each other on, on rules and things. Yeah. To, that's, that's to give some fun, background. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, to give some background. It was like a three it was hour three ish of a four or five hour session. I think was it that long? <laughs> yeah, it was. A, it was a typical Monday, and we we were meeting at like six, and we would go till like eleven. We were in so the old like yeah. yeah 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 okay. And it was like it was like hour three of four. We had spent the entire three hours trying to do one thing and convince one person to come to our side, and I threw it away in that. So I had this this gut feeling to immediately argue whatever would have happened. Cause I was like, I just screwed up everything. So. Oh, and I can yeah. speak from experience where like, I sometimes <laughs> have like, Oh, here's a great idea on how to deal with this. All right. And then I get to clear from the, the, cause I'll have something weird happen. Like, Oh, I want to bash a shield and throw this thing. Um, so that way I can hit like, two guys at once. Um, and then just completely whiff the rolls. <laughs> and I spent all this time, like trying to figure out how to do this thing. And like, being like, oh, all this cool action I want to do, and just like, nope, you dropped whatever, you fell over. Yep. I'm like, oh, never mind. It, it was a great, <laughs> it was a great idea, though, Scott. It really yeah. was. It, it, it would have been, would have been an awesome move. That, if, that, if that move specifically uh, did happen a couple of weeks ago. Um, <laughs> but the um, and I think that's maybe one of the other and um, maybe one of the early misconceptions. And I know this is kind of almost how we played the game in the eighties that you know, the DM is not opposed to the players. It's not an adversarial relationship. That's and, important. Yeah. And it's I, extremely I, collaborative. Yeah. 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 And I know, I know when we were young and like, you know, nine and 10, it was always, you know, basically, all right, the DM would roll out an army of liches and we would roll out our, you know, our army of plus five Vorpal swords. And, you know, it was just a, you know, a die rolling free for all, but uh, you know, that, that's really not the game. It's like you said, collaborative. Well, and for us, like I've played in games where I know the DM is trying to kill us. He thinks it's funny. Oh, yeah, those are the worst. <laughs> yeah, it, it's amazing that the, the adults will still do that. <laughs> or, or I've played in games where people have a story they're telling. And yeah. uh, 
they're going to make sure you tell their story because yeah. they've put so much of their heart into it. And again, it's good when you have a group, you can do that with a group of people, you know, as opposed to like brand new people that you're just playing with for the first time, because at least we can be like, all right, I love you. I know why you're doing this. I will play <laughs> your story and maybe I'll mess with you every now and then. Cause now it's fun for me. But like you understand what each person is doing. But again, it's those conversations that can kind of happen up front or yes. for the session. You can be like, hey, I feel like you hate my character. What did I do? And then they can be like, oh no, I just really want to kill all of you. And it's like, cool. Now uh, I know. I, I will say, I feel like those are two pitfalls that people, especially young people are first getting into the game fall into. You get yeah. really wrapped up on the creative control you have of setting up this world and all these things. Uh, that you forget that the players are your main characters and you don't control what they do. Um, you you basically, no matter what you do, you react to what they do. You can set up all this stuff. You can set up this super intricate dungeon, but like if they're not going to go in it, they're not going to go in it. And players tend to be really resistant to like the railroading on onto the story. Um, and two, like, yeah, a lot of people like, I used to do it when I flipped through a monster, I'm like, oh, this monster's awesome. I want to play it, you know? Uh, but it, it doesn't always work out. Like, you know, if you have level five people and you throw a juggernaut at them, uh, it doesn't really work like that. Especially if you start going through like the demons and things. I'm like, Ooh, these ones are really cool. I want to use them. You fight a Tarrasque. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that, that, that is something to look out for, especially if you're younger. Like I, I think that's, and not just younger age wise, but like younger into you're, you're like newer to, to doing this stuff. Even um, some supplemental stuff. Um, I, I use Dungeon in a Box because we play two and three times a week and I don't have the kind of time to plan out campaigns for two and three times a week. And there's no shame in that. So, yeah. yeah. So I'll use Dungeon in a Box, which is a very helpful tool for if you want to just start practicing with a DM. They send you a box. It's a whole bunch of stuff in it. It's a great product. Uh, but Hopefully they sponsor us. Yeah. It's a linear story. And I warned people before we started, this is their story that they're giving me that I'm telling to you. So you have that expectation now where I'm going to let you free flow and we'll figure it out as we go. But there is a set story that they are giving me that only has so much ebb and flow available. And I will say um, for both players and DMs, like players talk to talk about your character idea and like your, your like maybe a little bit of your backstory and motivations with your DM because they'll start working, even if you're going from a pre-planned thing like that, yes. there's lots of ways you can start working that naturally into the story. And it'll be so much more rewarding for both you and your players. Like in Fandelver yes. we're playing now, yes. um, the cat's out of the bag now, but I was playing a secret rogue. My character on paper was a bard, but he uses that as a cover to travel from town to town because he's a thief. Um, so that's kind of like, you know, I can kind of get people drunk and get information from them. I'm very, I try to, I try to come up with ways to, to do, to get to not have combat. Unfortunately with my, our group, uh, what, what's Pete playing like a combat cleric. So it's kind of hard not to war cleric. War cleric. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's hard. It's We're hard. He kind of, he kind of pulls us into the, the fight no matter what. Um, but that's been kind of fun to play. And I was keeping that secret, but I taught, you know, Shannon's running that and it's a pre pro it's a, not pre-programmed, but it's a pre-packaged campaign, but like we're able to kind of play with that. Or like I my character has a history with some of the NPCs in it. Um 
but uh, but you know, as I was doing like secret sneak attacks and stuff, I was just kind of sending her text messages, um, which was fun. But that became more trouble. It was than good it was until we got into quarantine. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, was, it was harder to do that over Zoom because all of a sudden there's like a really long gap. Um, uh, with like talking to each other, so super noticeable that things were happening. It was kind of flowing, like screwing up the flow of gameplay. So I just kind of was like, well, I've been playing a rogue this whole time. Just act like I'm still a player. Well, and like as the DM <laughs> on that, which was when we were in person, I could have my phone in front of me. We could text back and forth and he'd be like, dude, what's in that? I rolled this for stealth. I rolled this for sleight of hand. I want to yeah. steal it before they notice. And I could look down at my phone real quick and be like, oh, okay, cool. Scott did that. And I could just text him back and be like, you got a jade elephant. Whatever. And it, and it worked out nicely because uh, we're using D&D Beyond. So my character sheets, it's all on the phone. So it makes sense that I'm looking at it and you can do digital dice rolls. So I can just kind of hit the button, get my result and like not, because I'm just rolling dice. Like people might be like either really annoyed by that or might be suspicious. But um, we used that to, is, to pass notes. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> that is a huge thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's, it's, it was, it, that was fun to do, but like it's in terms of like just getting things done, it's it being out in the open is not too bad. So that way it's not super weird that I'm like, opening all the locks to everything. Um, but with our, with our group, it kind of also makes sense. Like I have the most dexterity and like those kinds of things. I always try to tell people when they're making a character, pick one thing. I don't care what it is. You can pick that you want to be a certain race, a certain class. You can pick a background story thing. You can tell me, oh my God, I read a random book and a character did this and I want to be that person whatever the one thing is so that you can remember it. Yeah. And, and if you, you want to just be an archetype, that's character fine. and you do whatever you want with it, but at least know that you have one thing that like, that was your goal. And then let's expand upon it. Let's now teach you the other things. Yeah. Or, it encourages you to start thinking about that character. And like, <laughs> I, yeah. I would always recommend like, don't have your character's backstory so planned out or, leave a lot of gaps because there's going to be lots of opportunity to fill in things in natural ways and ways that you may even still not expect like uh, a character that you're partying with may have been the person that killed your parents uh you know that sets you on your quest to become you know a rogue batman type character and you may not even realize it and they may not even realize it but if your dm can kind of put those together in the background it can be a really fun and really cool moment at the table for your group and it might completely change how you like look at each other and you play the game and it's really cool. Um, and I will say I, one of my personal rules is DM. I never, I will to encourage role play. Cause I understand that everyone's like into that uh, part of it as much, but I never punish people for not doing it, but I will reward you for doing it. I'll either maybe give you some small like XP bonuses or like you might have, get a little bit more gold um, depending on what your situation is usually xp because that's kind of the best thing yeah, yeah. Oh, now now inspiration. inspiration's a thing i haven't i haven't run uh, i haven't run a five edition uh campaign yet uh which inspiration is a fun mechanic because you can also give it to if you have it you can give it to somebody else in your party um, yes. so, so it's a it's again it's a nice collaborative uh thing you can do um but uh yeah that that's one of my recommendations it's definitely yeah. trying to get too locked into your character i mean own your character but right you want to be able to have them uh, have the ability to grow. 
and it's it's fantastic if you have this character concept and you want to go write this this glorious backstory behind it. Mm-hmm. But if you create a four or five six page backstory, you have no room to grow, and yeah. half the fun of it is literally either figuring it out as you go or making it up on the spot or like you said the person that hired you is the person that killed your parents now you have this wonderful revenge story that you could do that would have never happened if you had had it all pre-planned out before and here's a dm trick along those lines is if if the character keeps it has some sort of mysterious past like that that's a really easy way to like kind of hide your uh your your story hook to get them to kind of, if they're not going on the adventure, be like, oh, maybe I heard it was the six-armed man or the six-fingered man or whatever. <laughs> like, oh, oh, now I can arm. find, yeah. <laughs> you know, now, now, now you have a character motivation to go rather than a metagame like, well, you do this or we don't play a game tonight. Because that, that makes it a little bit more fun. Because there's, a, there's yeah. a trope called a don't get on the boat. Because whenever you have to get on a boat, the DM always has like some sort of crazy, horrible thing that's going to happen to you. So Very players... True. Players are always really resistant of that kind of stuff. Definitely no Krakens. No Krakens. It'll be fine. Get on the boat. That's, everything's fine. Everybody always starts on a boat. That way you have no choice. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> you just woke up on the boat. Why are you here? Like, now you yeah. have to get on, you know, yeah. Yeah, you're, yeah I, I like that. I, that's, a, that's another fun way of getting, you know, players together in a campaign is you can do the – Oh, you're all in jail together, or, oh, or you're all on a trip together, or don't. you know you just happen to yeah. be in the same caravan together. It doesn't matter what it is. Steal something from them. Someone could steal their boots. They'll chase you down forever. It oh, will man. be the only motivation these characters yeah. have for like probably years if you can play it right. Um, it's 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 <laughs> the culmination of the campaign is finally getting yeah. <laughs> My hat. But it's, 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 it sounds silly, but steal five bucks from a player, and it, it will they will do whatever you start to tell them to do. Because uh, that's it is, this is like the plot of Citizen Kane, right? Rosebud, you know there yeah. it is. <laughs> but yeah, like but yeah, Rosebud, like it's good to have a little bit of mystery in your in your players. And as a DM, try not to overshare too much stuff. One of, one of my favorite things with DM, all right, so say you roll to like do checks, like I want to see if there's anything in this room or like I'm checking to see if there's anything in like this dark cave. Um, if they roll and they successfully see, uh, to, to successfully see if they see something, don't tell them they see nothing. Like you don't see anything. There's nothing here that you can see because that's going to put it in their head like yeah. it adds a mystery to it. Like if you just say like there's nothing here, it's, it's A, more boring and B, like, it kind of takes away a lot of tension from stuff. Even if you don't have any plans I, to have things pop out and, and attack them. Yeah. I've heard people give uh, great ideas of like, your character is already good at what they do. So if they yes. attempt to do it and fail, they don't necessarily fail because of their own means. Maybe it was foggy. Maybe it was just that little bit too dark to see. Um, something caught their attention instead. Like, don't just make it you don't see or you don't do this. Make a reason for why they wouldn't. Yeah, it it adds a little bit of flavor and it helps expand, like, you know, it makes you look like a better DM uh, because you sound more like you know what you're doing. So do it for that reason as well. But it makes it a little bit more fun for everyone because you're all, because when you're doing it right, like everyone's kind of into it. Like, we know, I know it sounds silly and stuff. 
like you know you're in like a fantasy world where like you know i'm playing like a gnome princess and things you're like all that. telling a story that's all. yeah, yeah. It, it makes it it makes it more fun like words are your tools in this uh use them uh but it makes you it's gonna make your world feel like a lot more real and it kind of makes it also doesn't take away like uh player agency yeah I think um, someone started talking a little bit about this before. Well, actually, we were talking about role-playing and inspiration. I think that's another uh, a hurdle for players um, who want to get into the game. Uh, you know, maybe they'll see, uh, you know, some of the YouTube videos and like, do I have to be an actor to be a player? Do I have to do funny voices all the time? Do I, do I have to have an accent? And, you know, I always tell players that you can, you can do first person narration, you can do third person narration, you can do summary. And, you know, I think for most players, it's easier for them to get started doing third person narration where they summarize kind of what a character says and what their attitude is. And, And then when they get a little more comfortable with that, then they can maybe branch out a little bit and kind of be what we were talking before about growing and you grow as a character, you grow as a player too. One of the first things I told Jim was, I'm not doing a voice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that's totally fine. Yeah. If, um, whatever the person feels comfortable doing, just allow them to do it. If they say, I go up to the shopkeeper and haggle down the price. Some people want to sit there and literally for the yes. next 15 minutes, in character, <laughs> haggle a price. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's another thing, too. Like, Because you can just roll to like intimidate and do that kind of, or persuade. Um, yeah, you can do that to make sure that if the other right. pl- the the NPC or whatever kind of buys it. But like, definitely, if you don't get into your character or speak as your character, definitely explain what you're explain like what your character do. Don't just roll because uh, yeah. again, that's not as much fun. But as a DM, I feel like you, our giant group, we have players that want to role play, and we know who they are. And then we have other ones that want to summarize or describe something in a very episodic way, but they cannot tell you. Like if you said, I haggle with the, the person and you turned around and said, well, what did you say? Oh yeah, yeah, you have to crazy. feel it out. Yeah. So you have to know as a DM, like you build those skills in your players, you give them time. Like maybe you say to them, hey, next week, your skills are going to be useful. Maybe come up with a few things that you wanna say when you go at this noble. Give them prep time to build up those skills and reward them for it, but try not to throw that person on the spot or they're gonna immediately freeze up and be like, I don't wanna play right now. I don't know what I wanna say. I just wanted to roll the dice and haggle. So like you can do both and you just have to know the people around you and watch them as they play and see where they need you to provide a scaffold for the learning and where they can be like, all right, I know you're going to haggle. So when I go to you, I'm going to say, Oh, you're talking to the noble. You're intimidating. What are you saying? I know you got words. Feeling comfortable is a big part. Right. Like essentially. And, and that's, I, I came to you, like I'm not doing voices and now I try and do stupid voices all the time. It's fantastic. (laughs) And I, I think that that's kind of, it's kind of a, a, a comfort thing as you get used to this, and see how much it can affect the story you start to realize that maybe it's a good idea to at least describe things better or paint a picture or no voices here <laughs> you don't necessarily you don't need to do voices but give a a background of what's happening and why i will say even if you attempt to do a voice and like none of us are actors it doesn't have to be good Jim is. But like 
He's I am. Well, no, it's director Jim. <laughs> Jim, the voice actor. Yeah. <laughs> well, all right, not counting Jim. None of us are really thespians. But like have, having having uh, doing character voices like actually really does kind of help put you in the mind of the character, um, and it does really help facilitate a lot of the role playing. Um, and it it I think it I. I, again, I'm, I try to do character voices, but I usually kind of just default to my own. Um, but it, it helps, like, um, you like talk out of character and in character a little bit. It makes it a little bit less confusing because you can talk to your fellow players and like, well, here's kind of an idea of a, a of a plan, but you know, not necessarily like something your character or like you can say things that your character wouldn't know, or like you know, remind someone that they would their character might know this without, yeah. It, yeah. It does help to separate the two lines a little bit because the in game and out of game, yeah. Yeah. Because we have regular conversations with friends as we're talking and people are playing and then you're like, Oh, I want to do this and you're like, Well, are you saying that to this guy over here or are you send it to the DM? What Yeah, is this in game or out of game? Yeah. And that's where like it be you know, the DM's gotta step in and referee a little bit there. Like you you just said something ridiculous. Are you actually doing that? <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I've said that in my life. <laughs> well what's nice about doing it over Zoom and whatnot is you can kind of just mute people. Um, in case you need you know, like you gotta stop talking yes. real quick. Because I, I I'm just as bad as as anyone. But like everyone's got their little jokey quick, you know, quips and things. Sometimes it's really annoying. Yes. Everybody's got stand up, man. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we all, yes. all got to work on our tight five, you know? Yeah. <laughs> for, uh, for those of you that are new players um, and you want to try a voice, it doesn't have to be this, you know, crazy epic voice. And you'll see um, all the people on YouTube are like the voice actors or they pull a right. celebrity. You don't have to emulate what they're doing. You could just do a little wispy thing and then people will know that you are different than when you're just like, hey, can you pass me the chips, please? Sort yeah. of thing. Yeah, you're setting a different tone and it makes makes it a little bit easier to tell. I yeah, know. I th- oh, sorry. I, I think I, I do. I, I'm started a new character um, the second or third session playing and it's a, it's a dragonborn paladin. I, he just speaks in kind of very serious, short clip sentences like this very stoic type so kind of the opposite of me so just you know, like you like you said jim just simple things like that i think it, it again yeah and it, it also enforces that character's personality and it's a simple role-playing thing that doesn't take you know any acting skill at all really see i'm trying to do a jason statham thing uh with my my barbarian character uh we're playing in fantasy grounds for that campaign and my character profile is a picture of him so i'm just imagining you know, <laughs> him scaled down but that my my character that character specifically doesn't talk a lot. He's really really antisocial, uh, because you know my charisma is a five in that as well. So it kind of plays into that uh, mechanically. <laughs> I rolled Thanks. really. I rolled. See, in that one we rolled for our stats, and the and the campaign I'm playing I'm playing with you guys. Uh, we just did the standard spread. Yeah, right. rolling can be punishing, man, oh, or okay. broken depending. Yeah. On- yeah, that's where like the DM kind of has to step in sometimes. It's like you got twenties for four of these. You need to re-roll them. <laughs> yeah. Or like someone's like, I clearly rolled like terribly, and I've got like this enfeebled, like essentially like I'm rolling a skeleton man. Uh, like you can kind of, you can kind of fudge it a little bit. Oh, and that's yeah. where like uh, DM screens and stuff are great. Because uh, again, my my number one rule is if the players are having fun, I'm doing my job. Whereas like, 
oh, this character I rolled in, like, these characters would all, like, have a t- total party kill, like, immediately. I'm like, uh, I won't do that. But if a player rolls and, like, attacks, you know, Asmodeus, king of the demons, uh, or, the, no, he's devils, sorry. Devils. Yeah. Uh, uh, and just, like, challenges into straight-up one-on-one combat. I'm like, well, your character's dead now. Like, if it's, if it's that's where it comes down to, if it's a character decision... To like do something that would cost them to die, or even if it was like a heroic moment, like they could have potentially survived, but they rolled and like it was like a self sacrifice. Yeah, I will kill them. But it's I try. I try. To feel I tr- like- yeah, there needs to be some mm-hmm. stakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but the other day, like I got killed by a dragon. Uh, <laughs> uh, Shannon let me live. Uh, so I had twenty one total hit points. This was the first time I got uh, attacked. I got hit at all in this campaign. Hit me yep. with a breath weapon and did 42 damage, which is Boom. literally double. Nice. It's, uh, it's instant character death in the rules, but we fudged it so I could come back. <laughs> uh. Wow. Yeah, but you were toasted. But yeah. that's also, again, that's also your DM style as well. Like, as a DM, I am still me, and I'm a mom, and I want my players to be successful. Even when I do challenges, I can't help it. I love my players. Yeah. So, I did it. So too. like <laughs> like when we play we play a couple that are like ridiculous two times we're gonna be doing this campaign, weird one shots. Like Tim mentioned Crash Pandas. Literally everyone were raccoons and things stealing cars and racing them, illegal street racing. Yeah. It's ridiculous so, and incredible. It was so it much was, fun. Sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> They're from Grant Howitt. He does one pages where he literally like puts an entire game on a one page and he has no more than two or three rules. That's like Deadlands. Yeah. So I like, was just about to bring that up. Uh, I actually, actually made the same person. He also has a really big crush on Jason Statham. So he has a whole lot of like weird Fast and the Furious ones and whatnot. But like we'll do something like that. And because it's not something we're going to be playing for the next three years. Right. I can be like, like, I want to do this and I want this to turn into a jet pack. And I'm like, you wow. can have a jet pack, baby. I don't mind right now. Like, let me be the mommy here. You can have whatever you can dream. If you watch our <laughs> game of Dadlands on the YouTube, our YouTube page, uh, Kendall should have died like a million times. <laughs> um, but it wouldn't have been fun to, for viewers to watch. Was so he just, a chaos dad? No, I th- well, I so you don't really you have to have a balance between both Uh-oh. but he kept yeah. pulling the wrong things so he kept losing all of his all of his stuff so he never had the right things he needed to do for what he wanted at the end of the day he's the guy that got the remote and saved the day so but it was i wouldn't kill him but i wouldn't let him do the things he was trying to do like there has to be a little bit of a balance um i will say i just uh, i i have an idea for a follow up if people want to are interested in watching that again, uh, or watching us do I'll a, play. a different one, uh, we can play different characters and I'm have in. different players. Um, <laughs> but it'll be very different uh, style game. But um, if that hmm. since since that will be the second one we do, I might be a little bit more harsh with that those rules because um, that was my first time playing it as well. I'm there's, ready. There's a good balance. You don't want to just outright be like, "Well, you're dead. Goodbye." Uh, in like the second play. Like yeah. the, your second session. Especially not the first did. time you got hit. Yeah, or the first time you ever get hit in a campaign. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry, you're dead. Um, sorry, it I climbed up front to a dragon. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't encourage people to keep going, but if it's a moment that really matters, 
and it makes a statement, sometimes failing makes a statement. Yeah, I've had things prepared just for that moment in our long campaign that we did. I knew someone was going to die at some point, so I literally had a specific song that I would play for any time a character would die. And I had pre-written story of what happens to them as they die. So if the song is playing, yeah, yeah. when Peloth died, I had the song playing, I had the script all written out, that sort of thing. So that can help you prepare and make it meaningful, not, well, you're toast, there's your corpse <laughs> on the ground. <laughs> I, uh, Kendall's, Kendall's running his first ever D&D game right now. Um, and in the first session they played, he made a pretty rookie mistake and let the players see the bad guy too early where they weren't able to, there, there was no way they were going to be able to beat him. Um, and I think he had a pretty good solution because they TPK'd. That's so. It's <laughs> a good story. That's so, one way to solve it. <laughs> so, so instead of letting just having the characters die, uh, they woke up back in town, but the town's destroyed, and an NPC that was with them, like their heads on the spike. So like apparently, like you could, they they can infer that they that guy got them out, but like they could they lost the whole city. Which works is now the characters just they didn't die, but like they know how powerful this person is, so they know kind of what this and they know what's at stake, and now they have a personal revenge, like revenge motivation. That I'm like, that's a yeah. Yeah, that really, was good. Yeah, that's a that's really good. good way to handle that, uh, especially in the first uh, one. That's that's the thing you preach all the time, Jim. Is yeah, improvisation. Yeah, you. Oh have yeah, you got to. Gotta, you have you to have to improv. And the bet one of the best things to do in this sort of game is either say yes and or no but yeah so yeah. i'm gonna try and do x no but there's this other option that might be good for you as well or maybe there's someone to help you or yes but then the explosion happened and orcs come in that sort of thing yeah and right. depending on how i mean don't just be a player and be like well i kill him and then yes and that but like um you know when someone has kind of an interesting or a move or something or a solution to your puzzle you don't expect Try not to shut it down again because it also means the characters have agency and they feel like they can can uh, have can kind of impose what they want to do on your world too, which is a big part of why playing the game is fun. And again, to be honest, like when people have unconventional like solutions to my puzzles, I didn't think of. Let them think they're really smart for figuring it out, and that was your solution the whole time because it makes you sound <laughs> smart and it makes the players have fun. Like I solved it, um, and then you can take that idea that they came up with and put it in your back pocket for another campaign with someone else. Uh, yeah. I, I, I had an entire scenario with a, a, a main boss villain that these guys completely bypassed because I didn't think of the double tap rule because literally they, they finished fate quote phase one of the guy and he's dead. And they're like, and I step on his head and I was like, well, I can't say no, so I guess you you got it, and then we just moved on to the next part. That's just you know, it's okay if that happens. Well, and the players don't know what you have planned. So, like, we've had it where, especially when I was first DMing, my players who are also DMs are like, "Okay, I know your goblin should only have six hit points, or I know lizard folk is this." Uh, it's it's sometimes hard to turn that off. Yeah, no, but like you'd see them like the gears turning they're totally metagaming they're like okay this 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 and it's like guess what i know you guys have done 40 damage it's still standing my world because 
the battle's not ready to be over. They're having fun doing it. And you can see everyone's having fun, but there's always one person that's like, I've read the monster manual. <laughs> I know this, man. Oh, wait Why does an 18 not hit this goblin? What's happening? Yeah. <laughs> but like stuff like that, where they don't know that your main boss only had 130 hit points and somehow three people rolled crits and they did that much damage already. Right. Like, they don't know it. They don't know that the room you prepared that's amazing, they didn't open the door. All right, but they opened the door three doors down. It's still this room. Yeah. You can just you move can it in your mind. Yeah. 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 You can still do these things and adjust them to what they're doing. You don't have to be like, guys, I planned a room over there and it had a puzzle. <laughs> okay, guess what? You're going to find this room in three weeks. Oh, yeah. Just save it for yeah. another camp, like another dungeon. Just yeah. don't ever throw out ideas, uh, if they, especially if they don't end up getting played yeah. in that group. Uh, yeah, I think we all have had a. Every one of us who's DM, like we've all designed a dungeon, we've all designed a bunch of traps and puzzles and things, and like, how often do they ever play out the way we imagine? We never. we all yeah, have dimension never. door, three hundred <laughs> feet opposite yeah. direction. I miss four rooms. Doesn't matter. So. And I will say, I've selfishly let my players get really powerful, kind of quick, like with magical weapons and things just so I can pull out really big monsters to fight because that to me sounds like more fun on my end. But this was again, like I was like 17. Oh yes. Uh, yeah. So oh, that's that, kind of, that's very typical. now as an adult, yeah. I'd rather just have a whole art like role playing session where like we don't uh, even fight anything and just kind of talk it, about stuff. Me and Shan are working on co DMing a campaign that is almost literally the exact opposite of that. Magic does not exist in the world. There are little to no magic items left, and eventually. Yeah, <laughs> oh, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> As was, so it's a little eventually, like the, yeah. you start to unlock those things. So it's a little like the Game of Thrones world, where it's very low magic, but magic exists. Right. Yes, and it starts to come back slowly yeah. as things start to happen. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Which, <laughs> start, yeah, my you can put them back on. It's uh, fine. It's fine. But and speaking, we also. Yeah. We were looking at ways to co-DM because both of us DM very different ways. We both have skill sets that are complementary. So we've been trying to figure out what's going to make sense for us. Like, do we each take a session or is it like we're both at the table and maybe I'm doing characters every now and then and he's describing the world because we still want to stay married. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> at the end of the day, yeah, so don't, don't ruin my streak here. <laughs> but like, um, we, we really wanted to create something together yeah. that is a full story now, but we don't want to step on each other's toes either in the moment. Yeah. And it, it actually, it gives us a unique opportunity to have a actual conversation instead of you changing your voice and attempting to hope that everyone around you, has this gets the idea of what you're going for like we can be two different people having a conversation that everyone is overhearing as opposed to just one person kind of faking it the whole time gotcha. th th those are always the most fun things when the dm has to play a conversation with himself yeah and yeah. so and like i i would always forget and like i would throw the accent and like all of a sudden the king is a maiden and i'm just like ah forget it 
<laughs> Forget it. An orc, an orc just busts through the room. <laughs> Roll her. She did. Roll this. <laughs> when we get VR good enough so that everyone else can see inside my head, there every character has a different voice. Unfortunately, I only have this one. <laughs> but in my head, they're in different voices. I just can't recreate that for my players. So I always warn them first. I'm like, guys, this is me. This is how I talk. I'll even sometimes start with names. Like, I feel like I'm on, um, what was the character in Mass Effect where they would tell you, like, their emotion so that you'd know? Elcor. Yeah. Like, yeah. I feel sometimes I'm like this. I'm like, guys, I'm the shopkeeper. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because I can't do another voice. So you just, you find your ways, you find people that you can have fun with, and then... You'll, you'll find your niche uh, yeah. when you DM. You'll, you'll find what you do best. You might uh, be uh, amazing at writing lore. You might be good at voices. You might be good at arts and crafts. And <laughs> in D&D can be really, really cool. If you're good at it, do it. Because you can create amazing scenery for people, and people will be really, really impressed. I, I've, played, I've played games where people ma- the DM made the items you guys get. And that was kind of cool. And that, that's actually something that I think w- why D&D gaming, RPGing, tabletop gaming is my favorite of all my hobbies. You know, I do all, uh, you know, I, you know, into anime and comics and then movies and ga- you know, video games. But, you know, thing about RPG tabletop gaming is you can collect it. You can create it. You can, you, you, you play a game with it. You interact socially with it. Um, I don't think there's any other hobby kind of like that. And you can play the game with nothing. You can play it with the books. You can play it with a just a grid map. You can play it with a fancy 3D printed nonsense. You oh, can, you can do all kinds. Yeah. It's, it's basically your resources, your imagination, your skill level. Yeah. Um, and whatever level, you know, you can do is what works and what you're probably, you'll find people who love that level. And that's, that's really, it's estimate, you know, really there's no limit to how you can customize your experience. And it's, it's crazy because you can, it, you can always play, you can play the same game with different people and it's totally different. You can play the same game with the same group of people and you're, if they're different characters, everyone, it's a totally different experience. Completely different yeah. decisions. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And that's when the game's at its best, when it's, it's very organic. And it's, it's you kind of keep everyone on their toes. And that's, especially when you get a group that you like, that you guys all click with and you're playing together, like and you play together for a while. And like, it, ooh, that's the best, uh, best scenario there. Yeah. We've had, we've been playing with our group on Monday nights for 10 or 11 years now that's yeah. great i think yeah. it's been about i don't 10, know how old was Tad? a decade she yeah. she was young yeah she was and now she's going to college yeah so Aww. like we've been playing for a long time together and when i even say to like co-workers they'll be like oh you have your friends come over on monday night and at first like i work in a school so at first i don't tell them we're playing D because they don't get it it would take too much for me to explain I'll be like, oh, we just have a game night, you know, potluck on Monday nights. Most people are so amazed that as adults, you have a group of friends that you actually can see every week. It is a priority for all of you. I wouldn't know what to do without seeing these 10 to 12 people every week. 
it's yeah, the quarantine's been brutal. But yeah. like then I tell people like once they get to know me, they're like, Oh, you got your Monday night group. And I'm like, Yeah, we play role playing, we play D D. And they'll be like, So like you make up stories every week? And we're like, Yeah, that's legit what we do. Every single week. Every <laughs> week we get together, yeah. we eat, we have fun, and we make up stories together. And I see my friends weekly. And then, you know, we have an every other Friday night group, which is still some of our core people from our group, but then some others. And then like I do Wednesday nights here and there. We've got so many different groups of people that are still, we make the time as a priority. And I think that's something that is very different about role playing compared to other hobbies. Like I have friends that play video games. They always have excuses for why they forget to get together or you know, you could be in a wine club or in an anime group and people always find reasons to put it on the back burner. They don't do that with role-playing. They always want to come. They, they need that. And you get so used to that, that you don't want to not do it. Also, you you can only play it with other people. Like you can, you can play video games by yourself. This is something that you, you can have all the books you want, but you know, if, if you don't have someone, at least one other person there to be the player, uh, it's not going to do you any good. Yeah. But like you said, it's a fun social thing. Like, in, even if you guys don't aren't great at if you're D, if you're not a great DM, you're not great players, whatever. It's still fun to get together and eat Doritos and just kind of joke around. And then, like you know, maybe you guys get to fight a dragon, like <laughs> you know, or talk your way out of shenanigans. Who knows? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I would love. See, I'd have to get the right group together first, but I would love to kind of play a, D, a straight D and D campaign. Where uh, you can't, the goal is to not get into combat, but I have to keep putting you in situations where that's the easy solution. <laughs> um, I, I, but I, that would have to be a group that really wants to like commit to that. Yeah, it's hard, man. People, and, and I, the, I stab it. And don't get me wrong, like, so that's kind of more my character in, in your Fandelver campaign. My character in, Go- in Eric's Ghost of Salt Marsh is the opposite, where it's like, listen, all I do is just smash things. Just I get real sick of the role playing part, and I just that's why I started to kick down doors this week. But I'm like, because everyone's like trying to spend all this time like looking through books and things. I'm like, I'm done. <laughs> just I, I kick down the door. Just I'm done. Yeah, <clears throat> a, a, no, a gnome barbarian is uh, is an interesting choice. Uh, I also wanted I, combo. <laughs> I, I wanted the the, the 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 fun of it being like something you don't expect, but like. Yeah. I, you know, part of the thing is like one of the, the things I got in that game uh, is it comes with like the Outlander backgrounds. Like, oh, I have an instrument. Like my character doesn't play an instrument. I was really resistant to like that idea. But I was like, oh, maybe I make it so it was, it's something that's, or something he has, but uh, maybe it's related to something in his past and he doesn't play it, but he carries it around for some reason. Maybe if the other players see it at some point, it can start to lead to some sort of character growth and character arc. It hasn't happened yet, but you know, maybe we'll see. The situation hasn't come up where that would naturally happen. Yeah, and that's a, another thing, and that's something I think. Remember, you were looking at backgrounds, and we're uh, you were a little bit hesitant about some of the background aspects. And I was like, you know, you can, you know, almost like you know, the backgrounds give you stuff, so you know, use them with the uh, with fifth edition, but you can really, you know, minimize some of the flaws or minimize some of the elements that you, you know, you don't feel like you have to be wedded to any of that stuff too. They're all an idea. They say that in the book. Like this is a base idea. And if you want to change it in any way, shape or form, do so. But um, I I know one of the things that like, 
So if you're, if you're in our, our group and you're listening to this podcast, I guess I'm going to give away a little secret about my character a little bit. Uh, most Uh-oh. people assume barbarians don't read. My character can read. Uh, Uh-oh. He just doesn't care. Like, well, because we, we found a bunch of books and like he doesn't care about the, the like going through them when we were like doing, setting up camp last time. Like, they're not interesting right. to him. My druid um, can't read. Yeah, that's been fun. That's because he's a turtle. So. Your druid also has no concept <laughs> of money, which has been fun, too. Yeah, he pays uh, with rocks. Uh, yeah. We had a character once um, that I played and specifically couldn't read, and I took the poor feature and everything. Like, I grew up poor, didn't have an education. But because I was so charismatic, everyone just assumed I was higher born than I was because I learned to fake it. It was part of my backstory. Everyone kept giving me things to read, and they'd be like, oh, what's that say? And I would just make up random stuff every time. <laughs> I couldn't read, but they all trusted me because, like, no one bothered to look over. They went, oh, of course that's what it says. I would make up wanted posters, like, all sorts of things. And then finally one person's like, that's a weird thing to be in that book. Can I look at it? Oh, yeah, of course. That's not what it says at all. And I'm like, well, I can't read. Why would you give it to me? <laughs> 40 <laughs> sessions in wait what <laughs> i was gonna say uh, uh this is kind of a good early on <laughs> this is kind of a good piece of writing advice in general but you can use this both a player and a dm it's important for your characters to, to, to a know what they would do but i would say it's probably more important to know what they won't do um because if your character like my bard character like won't i don't want to say won't kill anyone because i'm sure we did at some point but like he wouldn't He's not an assassin, because I know there was another rogue in our group that was more that way, and uh, I kind of had a plan in place to maybe help, because I also don't want to bring too much heat on our group, because my character's kind of a criminal in certain spots, Um, but I'm not going to give it away in case she decides to play with us again, Um, but I I talked with our DM, uh, Shannon here, and came up with kind of a solution to maybe make her tone down, like her currently, her overly overt uh rogueness um but like again it's important to know what your characters won't do my character if if it i know i just talked about how he died which to be fair he was kind of against going and fighting a dragon it's very true uh uh, to begin (laughs) with um no matter even though it was like a little one um uh if it comes down to it he's gonna save his own skin well we have in tim's in tim's one game his dungeon in a box one one of our players specifically chose that his background is that he is like a 15 or 16 year old kid who looks older, has grown his facial hair out. He's a prodigy. He's incredibly smart. He took mastermind. He lied to get into the caravan to protect the caravan because he's only 16. But like he's, he's done everything. The first time our caravan killed a human and he was part of it, he looked over at Tim and he goes, my character goes behind the caravan and starts vomiting violently. Yeah. So I had to be like, all right, roll a constitution check. Let's see how your character reacts to this mm. idea. Yeah. But like we didn't know at first until three more human bandits that he's killed over the time. He does it every time. We've been playing for a while. He still gets sick when he has to kill humans. He's or when he kills someone with human- Humanoids, yeah. Mm. Because he's a kid. Mm. He's a 15-year-old kid from a farm uh, who ran away from home. The drow are just trying to kill him, and he knocked them unconscious because he didn't want to. So. Yeah. 
So like, that's one of his major things that he's like, I am not killing anything with humanity unless I have to, to protect myself. And then now it's to protect all of us. But like, that's one of those things that like, he won't, he will subdue. He's the only character I think I've ever played with that consistently remembers to tell people to subdue them. Whereas most people are like, oh, I didn't want to kill him. I want to ask him a question. Like, no, dual fireball. I forgot to tell you. (laughs) I was about to say the Shannon probably knows it because as as I wasn't doing secret roles or anything, but in Fandolin is pretty poor. It's like, I haven't been stealing from like the people that live there, you know, like, cause that's, you know, I understand, you know, the working man and people are trying plus there's a selfish aspect to it too, where the town's on the grow and, you know, maybe it becomes more prosperous and then, you know, that's better for me to do things. And I know people in power now. Those those little touches really, they help you get into that character Mm -hmm. and feel attached to it. So it matters when you succeed or you fail. It matters when your character dies. It matters if your character dies. Uh, It it pulls you into that story all the more. Yeah, it it helps. It helps really facilitate role playing. Like it's really easy to kind of start slipping to like what your character's decisions would be, and they could be different from your own. I think it's fun. This, this just comes down to personal preference. I think it's fun to play against, you know, your normal type a little bit every once in a while. Like, granted, I don't re- – personally, I really don't like playing evil characters or, or especially evil campaigns because they mm. usually just kind of devolve into just murdering everyone. But, like, yeah, it's very I could play an evil – like, a lawful evil character or, or I could play a character that's, like, evil, but, like, I could do it a little bit more like Lex Luthor-ish. But they're not just, like, a monster, but, like, they're very selfish. Uh, my my only dab into that was chaotic neutral for my my punch man. I forget what his name even was, but he was probably my favorite character because he would just he would use no weapon, punch and grapple. He would just run up, grapple people, push them to the ground, and just punch them. And that was it. <laughs> that was his whole job during a fight was to tank, push things to the ground, and punch them. I don't think chaotic neutral counts as evil. I no, 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 that doesn't. Chaotic. Like I'm playing my yeah. my my rogue character's chaotic neutral, but that's just because. He kind of looks out for himself, and that just kind yeah. of plays more yeah. into that. But that's the closest I've been to playing an evil character. Because it can be really difficult running with a whole bunch of people. One of them's almost guaranteed to be at least neutral good, if not lawful good. And you guys are going to have a problem. Yeah, I think that's usually something that has to be really said at the beginning of yeah. the uh, campaign. That's a zero session thing that uh, the DM sets down. Like you can be any, you know, no evil alignments. It's or, like playing Star um, Wars: All Jedi or No Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I, I will, I will say, I think it could be fun to be a secret evil character where you're more of like a mastermind manipulator type. Uh, but that's something you have to work out with your DM ahead of Absolutely, time. Absolutely, yeah. That's that's something that could be a, a great overarching like story you're, like arc. Like you play but... the hero, but you're really not, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah, like being a secret bad guy could be fun to play. Some of the mistakes that people um, make when they, they create an evil character is evil sticks out in their mind more than anything else so they play it almost like i have to be malicious and violent or something of that nature you don't necessarily have to it's really closer to bad yeah lawful evil you still have people you love you still have people you care about there are things that matter you might even have a code of ethics but you are still selfish by nature you are still willing to 
fit within the confines of the law, but you are definitely willing to manipulate them to your own end. You might love the people in your party for one reason or another. Maybe one of the other party members is a cousin that saved your life. You were drowning in a lake and they saved you. So you have an instant bond. Your cousin doesn't think you're evil, even though you theoretically are. It's, it's a very challenging role. I don't recommend it necessarily for a brand new player, but if you have an experienced group, you can really do it well. Yeah. And I think, I think play, yeah, so I think starting as an evil character might be neat to do because also you can maybe, you know, I've just watched Avatar The Last Airbender for the first time, but she's like, you know, Zuko in the beginning, you could say is probably more evil, but he has a character arc as he goes and become, you can kind of have like a redeemed character by the end of the campaign. Yeah. And yeah. that would I be like- fun to do too. Yeah, I like the tie-in idea because that's actually it gives people buy-in. Because if you see somebody just outright like, "All right, I'm going to stab this guy," and you're at least neutral, good, or higher, you're not going to be like, "I'm going to hang out with this dude." Well, most. But if you're like, he protects my he protected my nephew, I'm going to roll with him no matter what. Right. Most people aren't psychopaths. There's a lot of people in the world that are bad and evil. (laughs) Not many are actually full on like emotionally disturbed psychopaths. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So like they're not your normal player that you're playing with. You can be evil and not have to be like, I am just going to skin everyone alive, wear their skin, and everyone I come in contact to, I'm gonna be horrible to. Like that's not how it works. Yeah. Yeah. Like I've played yeah. evil campaigns. It's my least favorite thing to do. I do like a session. Like it's like again in high school we were teenagers and whatnot. It's like let's do an evil campaign and it just comes down to like i'm 16 just, and edgy we just right, murder yes. everything we see and like it's not fun and it's just like eh, just move on and do something else but like there's always oh, someone that wants to, to want at least when you're young someone always wants to be evil right and an interesting twist might be maybe you are the monsters uh in the book and they're written on paper certain monsters are neutral evil lawful evil or something but you've been sitting there being evil, but minding your own business. And then these adventurers come rolling in and you are the monsters and they're invading your home. Mm-hmm. That's very different. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. you, know, you, could, you could switch it around if you want to try something like that. Yeah, that was like the goblin campaign I was yeah. describing before where you know, now it's the, you know, exactly the table's turn. You're the, you're the goblin village that was invaded by the humans and, and now you're the poor refugees trying to reestablish your civilization and survive. Um, I, I, think there was, I think there was also something I think with um, alignments. I think people get too wedded to alignments or to spend too much time um, you know, parsing what alignments do. I, I think they're a good, you know, guide. Um, but I, I don't really, you know, like, you know, reprimand players or even as a player myself, try to adhere to alignment. I try to think personality ethos and let that be my guide more than alignment. It's a tool to help shape your character like yeah. in your mind initially. But yeah, like, um, unless you're like playing a character who's very strictly like rigid, like a paladin, like they kind of, you can, there's great, there's areas of great. And again, it also depends on your DM and your players and stuff. Yeah. Because you're playing with like a, a group that like is super into that. You should respect that. We've had characters that we have told them, like, I don't know if it's maybe Jim in the one campaign where we've had characters where people are like, no, I'm a good character. I'm a good character. And then they walk into a town and do horrible things. And like, yeah. we've had conversations <laughs> like, please go on your sheet 
<laughs> change your character's alignment. Yeah. yeah. Like, what do you mean I have to change it? You're not a good person. You set that place on fire. Yeah. So. <laughs> that shopkeeper was just trying to sell you things <laughs> because he didn't sell it to you for eight gold. I say, like, yeah. right now, I, even when I play neutral characters, right now I'm playing two neutral characters. I still play them generally good, too, just because, like, I'm not playing, like, horrible mo I'm playing, like, more regular people. And, like, not necessarily that they would, if they see a crime, they might step in and stop it. But they're not going to, like, murder people and, like, or, you know, like... You do what's best for you. Table. Yeah, like, yeah. Which is neutral. You do what's best for you. Yeah. You don't do the best thing. You don't do the worst thing. You're just like, eh. And then, then like you know, characters neutral. And we just, we conform to the group. Yeah. And the group all, as a whole is neutral. And we do good things. We do bad things. We do smart things and dumb things. And it doesn't matter what anyone thinks to write down. The group as a whole ends up being like, I mean, sometimes I think that describes yeah. most groups in the end. Like yeah. groups kind of develop their own ethos and their own uh, w their own little society. And, I mean, and the, you yeah. could have variance in alignment, and uh, but basically everyone's kind of acting with the same perspective, more or less. You grow together. Yeah. 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 The best stories have characters. The characters affect each other. Just not just in D and D, but just you know, in stories. Period. Yeah. Oh yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. Character arcs are like the most exciting thing in, in you know, in literature and movies and stuff. That's the, it's the reason you care when, like, you know, uh, Luke Skywalker saves the day, you know, because you saw him grow. Um, exactly. He was that snotty farmer brat in the beginning, and, you know, he, he found himself. Good, has, good job, ha, Luke. Has there, been any, <laughs> has there been any game you guys have wanted to play or run that you haven't yet? Oh, yeah. Because yeah, I definitely know I really oh want to play Monster of the Week. Or I want to run Monster of the Week. Um, but I, I just haven't had a chance to play that yet. I'm not familiar with that, but it sounds interesting. I have a few. I mean, I have... There's a Star Wars one-shot made by the same person who did Crash Pandas where you just describe what you did and then roll the dice to see if it succeeds or fails. And you roll the dice against each other and it's a fascinating concept of you describing this epic Jedi th battle and the dice decide the fate of if it succeeds or it fails. So the dice are like um, the roll of the force monster of the week's a little yeah. bit like that where it's the, the DM or the person running the game kind of sets up the scenarios, but they don't, they can't act upon, they can't like do any kind of acting until the, basically they only react to what the players do. And depending on the, Play, the players die like it's on a scale of like their roles or like you can either take if you roll real real low you get the the a really bad outcome happens a mixed thing happens or the person succeeds in what they want to do um but it's a fun i think that'd be really fun to dm um and just yeah. kind of set up these potentially really dangerous scenarios because that's a really really low power game yeah. like anyone can die at any moment um mm. kind of because it's 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 a horror game but i think it's a fun way of doing it because again, um, I like to give players a lot of agency. Because that to me, yeah. that to me, then is fun as a DM to see what people do. Yeah. Because um, if so people I, just fall into what I want them to do, that's not fun. Yeah. My other two, I'm going to show my my inexperience uh, because I have played very little besides D and D. Uh, was I want to try Pathfinder 2.0, and I want to try the new version of Vampire they just released because I've never played either version of either of them and they've always interested me. So 
I haven't played them. Well, I haven't played the new versions, obviously. I played Vampire a million years ago, but I'd be willing to play them if you, if you guys need players. Yeah. I don't know if we can afford to invest in that many more things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will put out so many things. Yeah. I, have, I have three currently that are all more psychological horror-based stories. Mm-hmm. And I really want to DM them because I am terrified of scary things, so I can't play it. So I need to know what could happen or I will have nightmares. But like, I've got some crazy ones that I've found that like one of them I already bought. Um, but like, we have a couple of them that I've been like, all What's right. What's the system? Um, well, the one is called Fear Itself and it's pretty much set up very D&D-esque. But in the book, there's four different story scenarios. And it's like your basic tropes. You all wake up in a lab in these outfits and have to figure out what's going on nice i like that Uh, stuff like that but like they're super simple they're meant to be like no more than three sessions x files kind of feel to it um and then i had another one that we got that it's all set up for you and everyone wakes up as um the humans on the ship we fought with ai the computers won but they realize that they need someone to fix them physically. So humans have become the wrenches and the mechanical work of society. Mm-hmm. And you wake up on a spaceship and it's just blaring sirens and it's wrenches, wake up, we need you to fix the ship. And the whole thing is done like Event Horizon style. So I, I look forward to running them because I don't think I could handle playing them. That sounds, they <laughs> sound cool. Yeah, I would give them a shot. Yeah. So those are the, those are like my two next ones that like, I have a bunch of like quick little short things on my list, but those are the two that I was like hmm. kind of chomping at the bit for. So I have a bunch of games I haven't cracked open. I've got Call of Cthulhu. I've got uh, the Mouse Guard one. I have so many. I've actually, you know, it's funny. I've, uh, oh, I've always wanted to play Call of Cthulhu since you know, when it first came out with like it was a chaosium games in the 80s and it was always something i like i'd see the advertisements for it in dragon magazine i'd be like "Ooh, look at that that's really <laughs> ooh." And, I, and, I, and i'd even you know i think occasionally i'd read some of the supplements and there'd be some reviews in dragon and things like that um and I've always wanted to play it, and I, I don't have it, and uh, so I, I'm, I'm curious about that game. Um, I, guess I, they, I hear that's a it's an interesting experience. I got like a dozen or so of the books because I was at like some con or something. Someone was selling them for like twenty bucks. So it's the core stuff, and then a bunch of supplements. I just never cracked them open. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's just that's my big problem as an adult. It's hard to find time. You yeah, know, I, I, I usually like, work but, evenings. You know. Uh, right now, it's I have uh, three nights a week where I'm playing D and D, so it's it's kind of hard to find yet a, yet a, you know a fourth night for a fourth game. It, yeah. It's it actually if we if I go back to you know after we maybe you know end social distancing a little bit, I'll, I'll have four nights. Uh, I'll have an in person night, and then I got three fantasy ground nights, and uh, it's yeah. So I, I would love it, but I need more nights. <laughs> currently working with some of the kids at one of the local high schools in their their drama program a couple of them my friend her daughter wants to learn how to play D. Oh, so. that's so funny you said that so i'm actually i've done stuff like that and um i've been talking about doing stuff like that 
well, if you want to join, let me know. <laughs> I'm about to take on a few drama kids that want to learn how to play D&D. So nice. They're going to nice. They're gonna yeah, love they it. definitely will. They're going to love it. Yeah, it sounds God. like the perfect group. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll find I, out. Um, I'm going to find out if I got a whole, like, a 16-year-old group of, like, psychopaths. I'm going to be like, guys, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I, I started a gaming club at my high school. I'm a teacher. I teach at Egg Harbor Township High School, and I uh, started this. It's kind of just very informal. Uh, you can show up and play Risk or Sorry or or play D and D or Magic. And we had, right before the the quarantine and shut down school, we had two regular campaigns going on nice. every Monday during that session. And I was teaching a group of kids how to play, and we were gonna have a third. Um, but yeah, uh, COVID-19 ended all that. Uh, I had a really good experience teaching game. Um, I did, uh, some kind of a geek fest, nerd con and Tom's river library. Um, and I, I just showed up not knowing what I would, what kind of crowd I would got would get. And I got like, uh, you know, about eight, 12 year olds all ready to play. And it was amazing. I, it's probably one of my best experiences. Just, I, I love the enthusiasm. I love their, their energy. It was really, really just amazing. Probably one of my favorite things to do is teach people the game. I, I will say uh, if, if you come across anyone, if you're into this and you come across anyone who's new, especially if someone wants to learn, um, and this has not been an issue in most cases, but definitely like kind of embrace them and teach them and, 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 because when you first play one of these games, your first experience will color whether or not you ever want to do it again. Because I know if, I've known a couple of horror stories people have where like their first experience is really bad. And they never kind of went back. They just never bothered getting back into it. And then mentioning that we play these games, I'm like, oh, yeah, it's really fun. And like, well, you know, I thought it was supposed to be this way. I'm like, no, 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 it's not. Like, you know, you got to find the group that's right for you, you know. Yeah, Jim, was there I anything? Think, oh, sorry. I'm sorry. I, you know, um, I'll, I'll just make one quick point. I, I think what was interesting about the experiences I had at, at the school and at the library is that it, it was like the exact opposite of the classic uh, group of small white boys uh, showing up. And I, I think what the, there is still that stigma that, you know, it's like there's the kind of the, the classic nerd image and the, it, it kind of still permeates the game a little bit and shields the game from new players and I think they're, the, that these kids were like okay it's at school there's a teacher you know we'll bring my friends it'll be more like open and conducive so I, I think that's also something I'd like to try to you know continue to to break down and I think I, it's pretty great that I, I noticed the new generations of gamers are very diverse yeah that's pretty it's cool you gave them a safe yeah. spot man yeah, that's great. I remember when I started playing, I was the only girl I knew. Yeah, yeah. D and D, probably until I was thirty. Yeah, that's 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 probably accurate. Yeah, I mean that's that like, sounds no right. One really played that was a girl, so like most of my friends were guys. So it never occurred to me to look for other girls that played. And now you look online, and oh yeah, it's just amazing. And like um, Pete, who played Dadlands with you guys, mm -hmm. um, Pete runs a D and D club at his middle school. And That's awesome. Yeah. It's almost primarily girls that were showing up, and they yeah. and he was like, I thought it was going to be all the guys that like would talk to me about video games, and it wasn't. It was all the girls that want to tell stories. That's the exact experience. Yeah, the exact same. It's amazing. Yeah. 
So he was like, he goes, this is so fulfilling. He goes, I'm teaching them something I already love anyway. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And most of us, I think, want to pass on a love for this kind of stuff uh, to anybody. But no, that's, I think that it's, it's opened up. It's so much more popular now. It's yes. so in the forefront of things. People know what it is. Yeah, Stranger Things helped with that. Uh, yeah. Critical <laughs> Role. Critical Role was a huge part of that, too. When we went to Comic-Con a couple years ago, the Critical Role thing had more people at it than, like, Jason Momoa got from yeah. the man. Wow. Like, it was crazy. It was I didn't realize Critical Role was that big. The only podcast I listened to about this stuff is The Adventure Zone. Yeah, um, Critical Role is, is huge, and I I love the show, so I I feel like I'm a biased opinion. But they, when we went to Comic Con, I was like, holy crap, there are so many people who are into this now. And that was two years ago, and I had yeah. this Critical Role, and yeah. they started lining up, and he's like, oh, I really want to just see what they're gonna say, and I was like, oh, is that that D show you watch? And he was like, yeah, it was insane, like on top of Comic Con, insane for New York. Wow. There were so many people there for Critical Role that I was like, I got to see what this is because how did they get this many totally different people that were there for them? Like they weren't there for Comic-Con. They were there because Critical Role was there. Yeah, I think that's amazing. I like the fact that the game's gone more mainstream and that um, it is attracting, you know, a very different crowd. And it's now, you know, more socially acceptable. I, I lived through the satanic panic. I was so. about to bring up satanic panic. <laughs> dude, uh, that permeated even when I started playing the game. And that was, yeah. you know, no offense, but probably like 20 years later. <laughs> I was a little goth girl, and that was like my mom's first thing. She's like, "It's you wear all black because of D&D. And I'm like, actually, I want to be a vampire. I would always bring that up Different, mom. I would always bring that up to people. That like, they're like, oh, they worship the devil and stuff. Like, no, we're arguing about math. Yeah. And like, it's, 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 it's like the dorkiest thing. Like, all right, that makes it sound kind of bad, but it's like, it's kind of like, if you break it down to its basis level, just trying to compare it to like heavy metal, like, what people think like, you know, the satanic panic was about. It's like the yeah. exact opposite of that. Like, I remember, did you guys ever watch that Newgrounds video uh, where they talk about, they kind of make fun of that with the Final Fantasy Sprite characters. And the one guy's in the other room, like trying to find Mountain Dew and trying yes. to cast Magic Missile oh, at the yeah, darkness. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's it's, nice. it's framed like an expose about Dungeons and Dragons it was the same t- through the lens of the satanic panic. And it's really funny. Oh, that, that, is, that is something. My, uh, I was kind of lucky because my parents really didn't um you know freak out too much even though we they were religious uh growing up and they they bought me you know dice and miniatures and you know my christmas tree gifts were all all D &D stuff so they were pretty supportive that's really cool um, I, you know, I remember getting deities and demigods for an Easter present in my Easter basket. I'm like, this is uh, looking back on it. I'm like, that's really kind of ironic. At the time, I was like, oh, <laughs> deities and demigods. <laughs> um, See, but even it, Tom Hanks was against it. Yeah, <laughs> at least he paid, he got money yeah. uh, for monsters and mazes. But yeah. uh, but it was funny as a as a bookend on that. You know, fast forward now into like, uh, gosh, probably 2012 or something like that. My grandmother, uh, she was 90 years old, uh, literally having a conversation with her on on her deathbed 
um, she was in hospice and she asked me, I, I don't know how it came up, but she asked, or we, we started talking about D&D. She's like, you still play that? I used to pray for your soul because I was worried that, <laughs> <laughs> that you were going to start worshiping the devil because of D&D. And I'm like, no, Graham, look, I turned out fine. <laughs> I was going to say, you have uh, some kids. That we've, have you, actually, uh, all of you have kids, but me. Um, obviously, you know, some of them are a little too young to be playing D&D, but have you found that the, your, the next generation kind of is into it? I know Tab plays with you guys sometimes. Uh, Tab used to play. Tab played until sixth grade. And then she realized that she's not like us and had to go full on middle schooler. Yeah. So until recently she realized she thought we were big nerds and no one would like that. And now that she's graduating, all of her friends think what we do is cool. And now all of a sudden. Yeah. But now all of a sudden she's kind of like, yeah, I can sit down and play a board game with you. And we're like, wait, what? Yeah. Yeah. That's, you gotta let the kids find their own way. You know, if you try to indoctrinate them too much, they'll rebel. But it's great for kids, especially like for parents. It's great when they're young. Hey, you're sneaking math and language arts skills in there. It is. uh, Constantly. Um, You're working on social skills. Like I'm a speech therapist. Social skills are what most of our kids nowadays are actually lacking in. You're doing it in a natural environment. You're doing it in a way that makes sense. And psychologically, when you get to feel like a hero, your brain doesn't know that you didn't just save that person in the real world. You get all of the different chemicals released and everything for being that hero or for being the horrible person in that you get to experience these emotions in a safe place that isn't yeah. real and you yeah. still get to feel it like it was. I mean, it's the power of story. Yes. And it's just what I think that's what our RPGs do is take the power of story and give you agency with that story. And there's, there's nothing else really comparable to that. I mean, video games try to aspire to that, but I don't think they can give the full complexity. I've, uh, there's even when you choose dialogue, I'm like, I would never say that. That's not even close. What What are you doing? <laughs> so it, this just, is definitely a guided story. That, like that's here. just kind of the limitations of that medium, though, because yeah. they have to program. You can only you yeah, count so many variables. Yeah. Whereas this is our imagination and our language skills. Like, of course, whatever you want to ca- have happen, you can make happen. Which and is it's, great. It's a huge benefit. Yeah. Which is great with kids. Yeah. Because like, I find that our generation we get trapped into the stories we love, the characters we think of, uh, the way reality works, you know, things like that. Whereas you take a bunch of kids and you just tell them, you're going to roll this dice. You don't need to know the rules. Tell me what you do. They don't have a box that they're in. So the more you expose them to this, the more they realize that they can think of anything. Yeah. Like we find our box that we put ourselves in as we grow. There was a fun story that I read somewhere. A dad was doing a session for his daughters. And I don't remember exact, the exact details of what happened, but basically wolves were attacking a village. So what the kids do, the kids tamed the wolves and now they have a wolf army. So <laughs> in, your, you know, in my mind, I'm like, oh, we got to protect the villagers from the wolves. It didn't occur to me in my head, why don't you befriend the wolves and now you have a giant wolf army <laughs> to protect the village? Just, it didn't happen in my head. 
Like that's serious. Greg Keto from Dragon Talk, um, the D&D Beyond podcast. That's literally one of his stories. Yes, with that him? was his kids. Yeah. Okay. His yeah. Genius. I want to give it meat and love it. And he's like, okay, roll. And she's like natural 20. And he's like, you have a wolf. She was like five. Well, now and you're also know. teaching, you know, uh, lessons about domestication and stuff in there too. Well, that and violence not being the only way. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's super important. I, I kind of want to play a very nonviolent campaign. Um, what's uh, it, uh, Greg's friend, John, who lives in Pennsylvania now. John just started DMing a year ago. And he expected, like, he was prepared for this battle, this battle, this battle. He went with every basic trope, it seemed like. And he said that the group of adults he had are, like, social workers and things like that and teachers. None of them want to kill anything. So they have not actually fought a single thing. They have role-played their way out of every situation. They have made more friends than they, you would have ever thought. He's like, he goes, I keep making these things thinking they're going to fight everything. They haven't fought anything. They've been playing for like a year now. He, and he loves it. He asked me for suggestions and I was like, you know, make sure to try and work something into the role-playing side. Like have a reason to talk to people or have them have a reason to talk to you because a lot of people will just ignore that. And he was like, no, they, they don't fight anything. I don't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, I, I can't help you there i've never experienced that <laughs> i mean what you could do is have there be a scenario where like the only way to solve the problem or not at least not make things worse is they have to kill something and, and that's then, he has had that happen but yeah like, but like that's Even also that, I think one time they were willing to sacrifice themselves. They're like, I guess we make new characters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that, that's another thing. Where, like, yeah, you can you can get into some really deep ethical like kind of debates and things. Like, yeah. oh, absolutely. Because like some, I've had characters who, for lack of a better term, uh, not I've had characters, but I play with characters for lack of a better term, are like racist against orcs, and I'm yeah. like, that's not necessarily true, and we kind of go back and forth on stuff. Um, uh, I've had. An interesting take once or twice where, uh, well, I've run a campaign where, like, you have to talk to your players first and find out how comfortable they are and if they have um, something that would really bother them or trigger them. Make sure to do that first, but one of the worlds is very, very discriminatory towards lesser races. So anyone that is not dwarf, elf, or human is looked down upon. And it's very, very hard to role play. And it's very, very uncomfortable some of the time. It is. It is yeah. uncomfortable to play that level of racism yeah. when you don't believe in it, you know, in your own, yeah. your own life. Um, it can be hard. Like, I, I play an orc character who doesn't necessarily, or half-orc, who doesn't like elves. Not violently, but it's that, that casual racism that is... Um, that permeates society it's not like he hates them it's just that they he grew up with that so now he's slowly starting to break out of the mold but he still has that minor bit in him the way it is and it's hard to play because i don't want to play it that way <laughs> but it's i was like well this is where the character went so if i'm an actor and i'm playing a role you you take the role but because i have improvisation I can slowly do the redemption arc like we talked about earlier. Yeah. It's and very neat to see the growth. Yeah. Or, or 
see the players overcome that adversity. Yeah. It makes it worth it to try and fight through that idea uh, to see them kind of succeed and know that they're doing the right thing. It's an easy, it's an easy fight to win, I guess. Like when you set it up properly and it's a good angle to play. I've played in games where someone had a good reason why they were like, elves killed my family. I hate elves. Yeah. Like, I don't care. I hate elves. And they were going for the redemption thing. But every now and then they'd say things and out of character, I'd have to send a text message across the table and I'd be like, I'm not comfortable with this. I will stop playing. Yeah. Because for me, I can't handle it. It's important. And it's important to have that conversation. My natural trigger is I'm about to yell at you. So like, I have to say like, I understand your character part, but we need to come up with a way that we can both play this game and have fun and enjoy it without either of us feeling triggered. Yeah, it, it's yeah, important. If, if, yeah, sorry. Mm-hmm. So it's no, no, go ahead. Yeah, it's important for communication in every aspect of everything you do is super important. And I highly encourage everyone to be as open as you can. Um, but it's super important to like respect other players at the table too. Because like, unfortunately, we all have, a, well, maybe not we all do. You guys might not have too many of them. But like some of the people that played uh, D&D in, in older in a different time period, uh, let's say, there would always be someone at the table, like especially if there was a girl whose character would always be hitting on them, and they're like, "You need to stop," and like they won't, and like it makes everything uncomfortable, and it ruins everything for everybody. And I am, you basically get booted out of the game because of that. Kind of stuff. I am very, very lucky to have never experienced something like that in any of my games. And I was I figuring feel like, it was mostly you that yeah. didn't do it, or did like, it? Didn't <laughs> that. Yeah. Playing in high school, Jim and I played in high school together, and we would have, because again, I was the only girl, where friends that I, I would sleep over their houses, like we were all good friends, we'd start playing and they'd be like, your character should sleep with mine. I'd be like, like, you would never say that to me tomorrow in gym class. But they would say those things because we were 16 and young and stupid. Yeah. And things were a different time period. But like immediately would be like, oh, your character's female? Oh, so I'm going to hit on you. I played male characters for years so that I wouldn't be the female character. I just happened to be the female player. And that's to say, don't mm-hmm. have flirtatious or sexually proactive characters in your campaigns. It's just respect the other player if they're clearly not reciprocating. Just back off yeah flirt with the dm flirt with the dm the dm would love it (laughs) because then they get to play with their characters that they're playing as too but like eric said those are session zero conversations yeah Yeah. yes very much so some people like in our group some characters want to flirt with other ones because we've been playing for 10 years together and it's just funny we're all friends but like you still have that conversation session zero when you're starting a new campaign. Right. Like, yeah. Like I, there's I, a lot of pitfalls you can fall into with the game, race, gender. Yeah. Um, and I think in oftentimes, as I mentioned before, that's kind of been often barriers uh, for new people to enter the game. 
and I'm glad really the, I think and it's happened organically that the the game has those barriers have been breaking down and it's been great for the game there's a great idea that I've seen um, in a couple of the LGBTQ groups that also role play that I'm in and one of them said that when they start a game when there's players even if they've been friends forever just for them every single person has like a chip that's green or red or something that they have as their safe token and if at any time your character's not comfortable or you're not comfortable you move the token forward no questions asked we move on because like some things like now that we're more sensitive about trigger warnings like you could walk into a scene where you opened up the door to a random dungeon and there's a body on the floor and it's dismembered and you don't know that one person maybe when they were 7 years old walked in when their parents were watching some movie saw a dismembered person and were horrified um with the yeah. way that rape and sexual assault happens like someone says something in a tavern or someone says like oh and then he grabs the barmaid's butt well, maybe that girl worked as a bartender or that guy worked as a barkeep somewhere and someone assaulted them and just that concept they didn't know it was going to bother them until that moment so they can just slide something forward and be like pressing on love and we're done and you move on and you can have a safe place without having to be like guys i can't do this right now yeah it's okay to retcon too we even actually had that before we did one session i'm like guys i don't necessarily know everyone's back history if if we start delving into something that you feel uncomfortable with just sort of like tap your nose or let me know and we'll literally just roll it back like it never even happened and move on the heroes campaign because we were all ourselves in the campaign yeah. and you were like if this gets too serious at any point in time put your hand up we'll roll back and be done yeah i chose not to have our daughter in that because we all played as ourselves. Yeah. we were all ourselves with superhero powers and i and, asked i made sure yep. yeah. and jim said before it started he was like do you want to have tab in this and i'm like nope because if anything goes after my daughter i can't handle that i don't role play personally to be myself so it was already something weird for me. Yeah, it was, like, that's what we kind of stopped it anyway. So I'm like, you know what? This isn't quite working out. So we ended up moving on. I think we did Star Wars. Is that what we Star did? Star Wars was next. Yeah. Yeah. But like, you don't know until you try and play. And if you get with a group of people that are safe, you can have those experiences in such a wonderful, organic way. Yeah. It's a good way to experience them in a safe spot too, to work through them if you can. Yeah, and um, it's, sometimes it's fun to play against a type that you may not, maybe you play as a different gender than you identify as, a different sexuality you identify as. Yeah. One of the things that helped me realize I was always asexual is I realized, I was like, oh, my characters never hit on anybody ever. <laughs> oh, I get that. And like once it, it was one of the many pieces that started fitting into place when I start looking back. Uh, if you want to listen to a little bit about that, listen to the last episode of the podcast, uh, episode three. But um. So this is probably our longest one by a mile. Um, this has been a very good. No, no, no. This has been a great conversation. But it is two. Oh, we are coming up on two hours. Uh, oh wow! And it is getting late. Yeah, and we are. Yeah. So uh, it is getting late here, and I'm starting to run out of steam a little bit. So um, this so, is a two-part episode. Yeah. So we'll probably uh, start wrapping this up a little bit. There if anyone go. has any final thoughts, uh, they want to get down. Um, now's the time. Uh, yeah. If you haven't played yet and you want to just remember the entire thing is to have a good time um 
remember if you get together and you're playing a board game uh for the most part i'm not saying always for the most part generally you don't start screaming at each other and you know flipping tables and stuff like that uh so just have fun and if something doesn't work fix it and you'll be all right yeah i think that's pretty good basic advice yeah um, and, and it's and it's actually to that point, the object of the game is to have fun. There is no winner or loser in Dungeons and Dragons. The uh, there's no uh, even when you die, if you had fun, you still win. Yep. And sometimes dying is a really cool part of the game. You it might can have be. Sometimes failure is just as cool, man. Or just as it's just as interesting. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Sometimes yeah. more so. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, I don't know if anyone has any uh, social media uh, presence they would like to put on blast here and let everyone know about where they can follow you. Now's the chance. I think, Jim, you're the only one that uh, has one that they'd like to share. Uh, yeah, I'm on Twitter. Uh, you can find me at Jimmy Yamaguchi, basically, on Twitter. I'm also on uh, Voices.com. So if you ever need something done, just look me up there. Okay. Uh, and with that, I'd like to thank all of my guests here for joining us this has been an amazing conversation that's a reason it went as long as it did um uh, and if you have a topic you'd like to see us tackle in a future episode uh, please leave a comment or contact us at contact at levelupentertainment.com our next topic is going to be uh, uh theme parks we're going to talk about some of our favorite rides and experiences at various parks around the country but until then uh be safe out there